Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. We're excited um, for the weeks to come. It's a little, it's a little weird not having Pastor around, I must say. I was driving in this morning, and I'm like, all my ducks are in a row. And then I remembered, this is the first time he's not here, I'm here. Who's going to help me with Zoe? <laughs> he, um, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, he wasn't here. I forget what was happening. Um, he might have been somewhere. That's when he took a trip to, to my parents. And it was the first time ever since Zoe was born we had an emergency during service. So thanks be unto the Lord, I wasn't preaching, Pastor Grace was. Because I was like, what do you do? I hadn't even planned it. So thanks to Jesus, we have a backup planned and good friends. <laughs> so we're going to start today in Philippians 3. And for those of you taking notes, the title of this message is Pressing On. Pressing On. If y'all haven't noticed yet, one thing about Pastor and I is we love his presence and we love his word. And that we're not content with where we are today. We know there's always more on this side of heaven. And so, you know, I've had the opportunity of, of growing up in church and, 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 and falling away. And, or never really knowing him, honestly, as growing up in church and coming back to the Lord and, and being in a church that was on fire, revival church. And even in the middle of a revival church, seeing men and women of God walk away. Men and women of God stumble and fall and do crazy, unheard of things that really threw me for a loop for a long time. And so one of the things that the Lord instilled in me during that time was, was that, you know what, Heather? You better be watchful over your own soul. You better be watchful over your own soul. We don't get lazy at any point. Because just when we find ourselves sitting back on the cushions of the Holy Ghost, thinking, I got this all together, is when life comes and nails us upside the head. And so I want to pass something on today that you and I would be encouraged with what he's done in us, but not satisfied that we want more and more and more, and that you and I do due diligence in caring for our soul. So in Philippians 3, 1, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For to me, to write these same things to you is not tedious, but it is for your sake. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we, we, church, are the circumcision, who, God, who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, Concerning the righteous, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, 
for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. Amen. So we see Paul. Paul is telling the church. He's not telling the heathens out there. He's telling the church, hey, look, if any of you should think yourself worthy, I more so. I was born into the right family. I was dedicated at the right time. I was raised up in the right schooling. I, by law, would have been blameless and perfect. I am the man. I would have cause by the righteousness of Christ to say, look at me. He says, but even though all that, nevertheless, nevertheless, where I've come from and my, my, my statutes, I have to press on. Even though I've accomplished all these things in my life, even though I am the one that people have looked up to time and time again, I can't stand on those things. I can't have faith and hope in those things I've got to leave them behind. I've got to press on for more. I don't sit in glory in the former days. I don't sit in glory in those things which I've humanly accomplished, but I glory in the righteousness that Christ gives. And in that, I've got to press on. I've got to not look back, but I've got to go forward. He says, I haven't apprehended, meaning even though all of that happened, he knows that he does not currently possess it. He knows that Christ came and died for him and that his place, his home is a heavenly home. But at the day of this writing, he wasn't living there yet. I don't know about you and me, but we've, I've tasted heaven. I've tasted the glory of the heavenly places. And by all means, I can't wait to get there. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be oh, I can't, more imaginable than anything I could ever taste on this side. It's little glimpses that you and I get. But we don't possess it today. We still have breath in our lungs. We still have breath in our lungs. We don't possess it. It's not ours until the moment that we cross over. Until the moment that the breath leaves this body and we're in the presence of the Lord, we have not attained it yet. And that Paul got it. He got it. Why do you think he was able to sustain the beatings and still worship? He had it. He had tasted it and he knew he wasn't there and he didn't want to lose it. The only way he knew not to lose it was to keep pressing for more. We have not attained it. So what do we do? Philippians 3.13 says that we forget those things which are behind. Church, your sins, Psalms 103 says that they're forgiven as far as the east is from the west. We have to forget those things that are behind. 
So many times Christians walk around with the things and the events of the past and who they once were. You know, I'll just go there. And for those of you that don't know my testimony, I'm so sorry. I was not always a pastor's wife. I used to be a little drug dealer. But it doesn't define me anymore. I forgot that. In the year 2000, that little drug dealing girl was baptized in Lafayette, Louisiana on Kali's Saloon. And when I went down in that water, I was buried with Christ Jesus. That old person was buried with Christ. When you come into the kingdom of God and you profess faith in the Lord Jesus, when you go in that baptismal pool and you get dunked underneath that water, it's not just to say, hey, look. It is a symbol of the old person, the old issues, the old thought life, the old patterns, the old habits getting buried with Christ Jesus. And we come up in resurrection life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now raised me. Raised this old little country girl who was so angry at the world, was going to do drugs and make people mad and sell them and do all this stuff. But she got dead. She got dead. And I don't have time to lug her around. I don't have time to lug her around. Her casket, she be done dead. She's gone. So whatever your old hang-up was, let it go. You know how mortifying it is for me? Knowing my parents, my aunts and uncles, and my cousins, and my friends, and my in-laws, and all that side of the family listen to these. And I, they have to hear over and over what I used to be. That's a little mortifying. But I count it all as loss. Because if it encourages one of you, that doesn't matter where you came from. Because his blood is more powerful than anything you and I have ever done or experienced or could fathom in life, then it's worth the mortification. We forget those things which are behind. We get rid of them. We do whatever we have to do to let them go by the wayside. That word forgetting is this big, long Greek word called epilethanomai. And it's to lose out of our mind, to go out of our mind, to not even be there, to not even think about it, that it's not even an option to go there. Hebrews 9.14 says that by the sprinkling of the blood, the Holy Spirit is even able to what? Cleanse your conscience clean. Meaning all those things, all those things that you've experienced, maybe you didn't go be the drug dealer, maybe somebody did something to you. And you carry that with you like a big, huge weight. Thanks be unto the Lord, the Holy Ghost comes. And by the sprinkling of Jesus' blood is able to take it and cleanse your conscience clean. That it is but a mere memory of the past and no longer has a hold on your soul. No longer has a grip on your heart. I can go back and think of days I had a hit out on my life from the mafia. It was one of the most fearful, torturous times of my life, thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to be one of those people that they find in the swamp somewhere, and they're trying to identify my parents. Oh my gosh, going to come identify my body. That is a horrible memory. But it doesn't affect me anymore. It doesn't affect me. What has got a grip in your conscience that you play over and over again? When you're in worship or you're in prayer or you're in service and these things, maybe you've experienced junk in church. 
come on. And in the middle of stuff, all these memories start coming. That's not your flesh. You're not, not your flesh of judgment saying, see, see, it's just wrong. No, that's the Holy Ghost. That's the moment of time when those thoughts and memories come, that we take them before the Father. And we say, Holy Ghost, I, I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. It all freaks me out. The memory's too much for me. The pain's too great. But your blood is enough. Your blood is enough. And I don't want to carry this baggage into heaven, God. I don't want to carry it into heaven. I believe that your word says what it says you are and that you're enough for me. And we take it into the presence of God and the Holy Ghost comes. And by the precious blood of Christ, he's able to cleanse that conscious clean. The next thing you know, all of a sudden we have breakthrough, supernatural breakthrough. And we no longer are gripped by it. We're no longer held captive by it, but we release it. We release it and get to walk in newness of life and freedom and love that we didn't have before. So we think that's flesh. I'm just getting distracted. Man, that worship team's not doing it today. No. That's the Holy Spirit trying to bring healing. And it's our job to what? Yield. We just yield and say, come. Come, Lord Jesus. And then let's turn to Matthew 18. We want to forget that which is behind. Maybe it's not your past, not your pre-saved life. Maybe there's hurt. Maybe someone's done, did you wrong. Matthew 18, 21 says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Do I have to forgive him like seven times? That's a lot. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brothers his trespasses powerful, powerful message. 
And so often what we do is, is we justify our anger about someone. We justify our dislike towards them. We justify it by stupid, manly circumstances. Our Father, Jesus, came and He died for you and I in the midst of our wildest stupidity. I love this scripture about the length and the height and the depth and the width of the love of God. Because I think over my lifespan, even after born again, how wide that love grasp has had to go to get me and then to keep me. And how deep in the cesspool of who I am, he had to dig patiently until I let him into the core of my heart, to the core of my being. It's that kind of love that came and forgave me, forgave you. You and I didn't deserve it. You got to remember, he's, he's with us at all times. When we lay our head down, he's there. He knows our thoughts are far off. He knows our rising. He knows when you go off on your spouse and the little snide remarks about your boss. He gets it all. So why can't we forgive people? Forgiveness is one of the things that holds the church back more than anything else. We hold people to such a higher standard than we can even live ourselves. That's why, look, Pastor and I are very aware of our shortcomings. And we will be the first to tell you at some point in our, our existence with you, we will let you down and we are so sorry. We don't do it on purpose. We're just men. We live in natural beings. And the sooner all of us can get to that point of understanding that everyone will let us down, our expectation of other people will allow us to forgive them because we don't expect them to be perfect. You see, when we don't forgive people, we actually allow them to live within our minds and our hearts rent-free because they're going on living their life, but it's torturing us. It's torturing us and it's holding back all that we have in the kingdom of God. It's holding us back. The, the Lord's Prayer says what? Forgive us as we also forgive others. We need to, as a church, forgive our mamas and daddies. Come on. They did the best they could. We need to forgive Brother Joe and Susie Q at the church down the road. And we need to forgive the people sitting in the pews next to us. We got to let it go. If you want all that God has for you, let it go. If you want well done, my good and faithful servant, let it go. Forgive us as we forgive others also. If we have the justification chart of who wronged us and we're holding on tight, what's he going to say when he sees us? I don't know about you, but I want to look him in the eyes. I want to see that love that comes from eyes of fire. I don't want to hold my head in shame. I want to experience it now and then for all that it is. Church, we have got to forget that which lies behind us. The past is in the past. I get, I get that we had several issues over the past 30 years in this congregation. I get it. I've seen the pain. But what 
often we don't realize is it's what's holding us back. Because you see, your offense on that pastor two pastors ago that you haven't forgiven, you've now placed on me. You've now placed on Zach. You might like us because we're nice people. <laughs> but you place that, their sin, their issue, your unforgiveness now placed on us. So we walk a certain way. We talk a certain way. You say, see, I knew it, just like so-and-so. We got to forget what lies behind. We got to forget about it. It's junk. It's history. Can't do anything about it. Isaiah 52, 2 says, Brush off the dust. Get to your feet, you captive Jerusalem. Throw off your chains. Captain, daughter of Zion. You know, I think of, um, not Incredible Hulk. Was Incredible Hulk the green guy? And he's like, you know, and all of a sudden the shirt rips off and the muscles come out. Throw off your chains, church. It's time for us to stop like this feeble little thing and realize the blood has more muscles than the Hulk. The blood has more power than the Hulk. We throw off the past life. There is always more. Let's go to this quote The Paul pictures himself. Paul pictures himself as an athlete in a race, putting forth all his strength and pressing on with determination and concentration in order to finish the, prize, finish the course and win the prize. His aim is to reach and fulfill the goal that Christ has set before him. His finish line is perfect union with Christ. His final salvation and his resurrection from the dead, this was the motive of Paul's life. He had already given, received a glimpse of heaven's glory and made up his mind to center his entire life on Christ's purpose until God called him home to heaven where he would see Christ face to face. Such determined is necessary for all of us throughout our lives. All kinds of distractions and temptations such as life's worries, riches, and evil desires threaten to choke off our commitment to Christ. But we must not take our eyes off the prize of being with Jesus forever. That means forgetting what's behind, including the corrupt world and our old life of sin, and straining toward what is ahead, our final salvation in Christ. Forgetting what is behind requires letting go of both good and bad experiences. We must not dwell on past fears, difficulties, and failures, allowing Satan to frustrate or overwhelm us with guilt. Christ has freed us from all of that. Amen. Yet we must also refuse to rest on past accomplishments and successes that could, not, that could allow us to become spiritually prideful or lazy in the present or future. What matters most is what is ahead in regard to Christ's purpose for us and our final and priceless reward with him in heaven. It's the Fire Bible. Fire Bible's a great resource if you like to study. So not only do we forget about the past failures, past sin, past unforgiveness, but then we also forget about past accomplishments. You know, when this message first came around in my life, it was about letting go of that old man, that old girl. But all the more today and this morning in prayer time was a precious moment with God, reminding me that, oh, Heather, you've had a time with me, but the best is yet to come. And so just like I'm encouraging you to leave the past behind, 
I'm encouraging myself. I've seen some of the most miraculous things in the Lord. I've experienced signs, wonders, and miracles. You want to talk about a dead eye, blind, totally fogged over, come to light and life and be able to see, restored before I have seen some legs growing out, the coolest things ever. I mean, that was really awesome. But I can't live there because it's not happening right now. I can't live there on my past disciples that I've led, all the past services, all the past ministry. I've got to live today. I've got to forget about it all. I've got to forget about it. I walked over to that detention center two weeks ago, and I said, they told me why they wanted me there. I said, well, let me tell you who I am and what I've done, and let me tell you my heart because we've got some stuff to do. They are so excited because someone wants to do something, to do something. We're not scared of the detention center, but we want to grab hold of it and go forward. I could sit here and tell you all the years being in state penitentiaries, state juvenile facilities, New Orleans uh, prison, the Jefferson Parish prison, and just going on and on and on, but it's not going to do Akron any good. So I want to march my little self next door and say, I've got a heart for this city. I'll do whatever you let me do. What can I do? Let's do something. You know what they said? Yep. You want to be on this committee, this committee, this board, this, this, da, 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 da. can we go do this? Yes, 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 yes. Because I want to forget the past. I had some great accomplishments in Christ, but today is a new day. Today is a new day, and I want to experience him today. I want to know of his goodness today. He gave man a daily for a reason. It's not our job. Church, let me tell you, I know I don't like fried chicken, but all the more, it is, I'm not talking about a spiritually, spiritually uh, physically getting large. I'm talking about spiritually getting large. It is not our job to grow fat in church. It is not our job as Christians to sit in every service and read our Bibles and pray so that we can look around and pompously say, look at me, Brother Lester. I'm a good girl in Christ. No. It's about me getting filled so I can go out. It's about me getting filled so I can disciple Zoe to be a mighty, mighty child of God in the army of Christ. To watch her go lay hands on her friends because they got a bobo, mama. I'm to give it. You're to give it. We're not to get spiritually obese. Yuck. Hebrews 12, 1 says that we, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God. The next part of Philippians 3.13 says that he's reaching forth. He's reaching forth. So what do we do? We forget behind. My eyes fixed on Christ. And I'm reaching forth to those things which are ahead. Reaching forth in this long Greek word means that he stretched himself forward, bearing towards his point with vehement concern. I'm stretching forward forward 
I'm stretching forward. I have a purpose. I have a goal. I'm stretching forward like a runner. When you see a runner running, they're going to be stretching forward for a goal that's ahead. I don't have time to look back. I'm going to look forward and stretch towards my mark. Um, I love this example. How many of you had a cookie jar growing up or have a cookie jar at home now? And it's a fine thing to have a cookie jar on the counter until you get a toddler in the house, right? And so the toddler, we may not have anything in the vicinity of the kitchen counter to climb up there, but they will know where that one stool is in the house. And they will go get that stool because they're going to reach for that cookie jar because they know what's inside of it. So they'll go and get that stool and they'll push it all through the house and they'll fall over and get bobos, but they will not forget why they're pushing the stool. And they'll push it right up to that countertop and they'll get up on the counter and reach up and then realize, oh my goodness, I'm still not tall enough for that cookie. So what's that toddler going to do? They're going to go on their tiptoes and they're going to go and they're going to reach as high up as they can and it's going to look like they're in ballerina point shoes. Because they're reaching so high and they're going to go with their hands and get that jar and they're going to push it just enough to where they can get their hands in it to get that cookie. That's how we reach forward to the upper call of Christ. With vehement concern that I'm reaching forward, God, with everything in me that I have to touch the hem of your garment today, that I can't stand not having a touch from you, not having an encounter with you, that I'm going to open your word and I'm going to read it with diligence until you come and pop out of those pages. I'm going to sit in prayer and labor over my family and labor over that situation until you come and meet with me, God, because I've got a purpose in this life. That's to know you and the power of your resurrection in every situation, in my family, in my work, in my friends, in my church, in the schools. I've got a purpose in this life and I'm going to reach forward toward the gospel in every area and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to reach like that stubborn little toddler that falls over themselves and has more boo-boos and bobos and scratches. But he got that cookie. But he got that cookie. Have you had your encounter today? Have you had that fresh word from God today? Where he comes and and you have that release in your spirit of no longer worrying about that situation. Because Christ has come and given you a word. You know, we've been laboring in prayer over Akron, over this church. Especially with the Nepal church coming and and starting to use our facility soon. And Night of Hope and the Detention Center. And and all of our church people and and what's going on in your lives. and, And we've been laboring over it. And... Zach and I, are just, we have this stirring that there's just more. And Mandy texted me yesterday, and she said, by the way, happy anniversary. I'm thinking, my anniversary's in January, girl. And she said, tomorrow is one year since your first service. And so I've been stirring over that all night. And this morning in prayer time, as I was praying, the Lord came back and gave me that verse about taking me and Zach into a land flowing with milk and honey. And that when the church asked, when the people asked, where, who sent you here? Why are you here? How'd y'all end up here? Tell them, I am, has sent you. 
And so I don't know who was here hearing me laugh. I apologize, but not really. I got so touched and so tickled by the Lord because that word was fresh for today. It was fresh for today because, remember, it wasn't just about Zach and I going to a land of milk and honey. It was about this church spreading out its wings, spreading out the tent pegs to reach this city for the gospel, spreading out its wings so we could have milk and honey flowing and feasting together on his goodness. And he promised that he would come. He promised that he would glorify himself. And so I'm not going to sit back on last year's word. He spoke it today. He spoke it today. And I'm reaching forward for what he has for you and I in this season. Are you reaching forward for what God has in your life? If we cease pulling the oar against the current, we're carried back. In other words, you and I in the body of Christ, we're all in a rowboat together. We all have our places. We all have our positions on the wall. And we're in that boat and we're rowing, right? And we're rowing, and the current's coming, but we're rowing. And as we might be rowing slow, but we're, just, we're still rowing. And as we're rowing, we're moving forward. But the moment we stop rowing together, what happens? We're pushed back. We're pushed back. We no longer have our faces set like flint. We no longer have our eyes on the prize because we're being tossed to and fro by the currents of the world. We've got to get in the boat. We've got to row. We've got to work hand in hand together for the gospel. The Bible is our landmark and shows whether we're progressing or we're retrograding. We're either doing one thing or the other. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is what? It's living. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joint and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We get in our word, church. Why? It's how we press forward. If I'm not in the word, guess what happens? I think, I got this together. I'm doing pretty good. I'm all cheery. I got, I got things organized. I'm praying for people. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. This is good. I feel like I'm self-righteous. But you open that word, and what happens? Jesus jumps out of those pages. He gives you a big old kiss, and you realize, oh, my gosh, I thought I was doing good. I really had selfish motive in that. I really didn't prefer my brother over myself. Oh, my goodness. I should have X, Y, Z. Wow. Thank you, God, for drawing me closer in this walk with you. Thank you, God, that there's more of you that I can have today. Thank you, God, that I still have ears to hear. The word of God is our litmus test. We can't read it and not be affected. And you might say, well, pastor, I read that book. I try to do that devotion thing y'all talk about, and it's just boring. I read it. I forget what I, I, forget what I read. Guess what I say? Read it anyway. Because what's going to happen is that word is living. And it's going to jump inside your belly. And in your moment of need, your moment of trial, your moment of rejoicing, like a quickening, it's going to come and he's going to speak it. And you're going to say, I didn't even know I knew that verse. But you were reading. You were storing up treasures in your inner man. And it's going to come and breathe life. It's going to come in due season and let you know the exact thing at the right time of what you're supposed to do, of how you're supposed to act, of how you're supposed to respond. Reading the word is our litmus test. Don't just sit here and listen to it once a week. It's not enough. 
Come on Sunday. Come on Wednesday. Go to a small group. Have a devotion. You know what we do? We have more Bibles than we know what to do with. But you know why? Every year we get a new one. Because it, it's, the words are on a different page. The study notes are different. And I don't know about you, but I get bored real easy. So I get a new Bible every year. And I read it in that translation. We have our study Bibles. We have our Bibles for certain things. But every year we get a new one so that it stays exciting. So that I want to go and pick it up and read it. And let it affect my soul. Isaiah 35, 8, talking about the word, says that there's a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, and it shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they're fools, they'll not go astray. There's a highway of holiness that you and I, as believers, get to walk on. The unbelievers don't get to go near it. We get to walk on the highway with Jesus. But our litmus test with the word, to be able to walk on that, as you and I are reading the word, do we begin to see the character of Christ, the character of God our Father in our lives as we're reading the word? Do we begin to see the character and the heart of Jesus as he walked with the people? Do we see glimpses of ourselves? Do we see glimpses of his spirit living inside of us? As we read the word, is it bearing witness with our inner man? Or are we saying, yeah, I just won't read that. I just don't even, I don't really quite agree with it. That's not for me now. Because that's what, as believers, as those grafted into the family, as those that, 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 are, that are co-heirs with Jesus, that's what being born again offers us. That his spirit comes to live inside. And that he, he conforms us. He sanctifies us. That's not a dirty word. As he sanctifies me, as I spend time in his presence, as we spend time in his word, as we worship him and we pray for him, we begin to see him. And what happens is he transforms us from glory to glory to glory. And what does that mean? We actually begin to look like him. Our lives, our character, our nature begins to take on the nature of Christ. Begins to take on the characteristics of our God, our Father. That He, he came to be our daddy. That, he, that all of a sudden that we're, not, that we're looking at children that aren't our own. And we're thinking, wow, they don't have anyone to love them. Let me love them. Let me love them. All of a sudden the Father's heart jumps into us and we have to love them. All of a sudden, it's easy for us to turn the other cheek because we see the depravity of man and we're no longer judging, but we're laying our lives down for someone else. That's the gospel. That's the gospel alive inside of us that we don't talk about it, but it infuses our very being and we begin to walk it and live it. That as we read it and we say, that's a little too rough for me. Come on, when Jesus said, drink my flesh and drink my blood, the disciples, they thought he was nuts. But they weren't afraid to say it. Sometimes you got to look at that word and say, that's too much for me, Lord. That's too much for me. But at your word, increase my faith. At your word, God. I don't know how, but it's not by power. It's not by might. It's by your spirit, oh God. It's by your spirit, so I'm willing to go if you'll go with me. And then because you're in the word, he's going to come and tell you, I've already gone before you. 
You're going to tell him I'm scared. And he's going to say, but I've already sent my angels surrounding you, encircling you. You're encircled by my flaming fire, don't you know? That's the life of the gospel. Psalm 119.25 says, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life. Revive me according to your word. When we find ourselves dull, we must go to God and beg of him to quicken us. He who has an eye to God's words as a means of quickening. In other words, in our Christian walk, we're not going to always feel super spiritual. We're not going to always have the answer. We're going to get a phone call from a friend that needs, needs help in a situation. They're, they're, they're devastated. And we're going to say, but I don't have anything to help you with. I had a friend I'll never forget this. I, we were doing Beyond the Grave. I had a hundred or so kids. We, we had them dressed up, hair, makeup, blood, guts, and gore. We were filming for a production. We had the camera crews there and all this stuff happening, and I get a phone call. This kid we had sent out from our church in the Army, 18 years old, wasn't even gone six months, and I get the call that he's been blown up. He's definitely lost the limbs. We don't know if he's going to survive. Immediately, I call the sisters oh my gosh, where are you? Are you okay? And her response is, what are you talking about? I said, oh, um, you haven't talked to your mom and dad? No, Heather, what's going on? Tell me, tell me. So then I had to say, um, your brother was, was in an accident. He had an IED explode and his senior officer is dead and, and, and he's been flown to Germany. And she's like, What? I said, look, I don't know any more details. I just got it. I'm so sorry. She's like, no, 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 I'm glad. I'm glad you're the one that called me. Oh, my God, can you pray with me? And, and we just began to pray and cry together. And she said, can you call my sister? Can you call our other brother? I can't. Can you just do it, Heather? And it, there's a spirit of God inside. And you just start calling and making phone calls and praying with people and not having any answers. But that was the best thing that God could have done because the rest of the time, while the, everybody else was scared to talk to him, I'm calling. I'm sitting with him. I'm asking, what the, what's the surgery? I drove out to San Antonio when he finally made it back to the States and looked at his wounds and looked at the open legs after 50-some-odd surgeries and three limbs gone and asked about the therapy. It was all okay with it. Why? Because of the Spirit of God. Because his word revived me in due season. His word came and was life to me in a time when I couldn't be life for someone else. It was too big for me. But his word came up, Heather. You mourn with those who mourn. You rejoice with those who rejoice. You go into the valley with them and you pull them out. You go hand in hand. And so you and I get in the word of God with every fiber of our being. And we say, revive me. Get the Holy Ghost clackers and put them on my chest and revive me. Revive me according to your word. God, I don't want to be one of the sorry, sorry Christians that walk around defeated all my days. That's never prayed with someone. That's only dreamed about the possibilities. But I want to be the one that's seen the kingdom of heaven. That's seen it because I've spent time with you. Because I've done my duty to find my rest in you. Your yoke is easy and your burden's light. I want to find that. But I'm going to do due diligence to get there. I'm going to do due diligence. So we press on. Philippians 3.14. 
We press on towards the goal for the prize. We pursue it. We ensue it. We follow after. We're given to it. We press on. Paul pressed towards the mark as he who runs a race never, get, never takes up short of the end. It's not how fast we get there. We've just got our eyes on the end. But it's still making forward as fast as he can. So those who have eyes, who have heaven in their eye, must still be pressing forward to it in holy desires and hopes with constant endeavors and preparations. The fitter we grow for heaven, the faster we must press towards it. Heaven is called here the mark because it is that which every good Christian has in his eye as the archer has fixed his eye upon the mark he designs to hit. In other words, you got that woman cat, that girl cat in Hunger Games, right? Well, you'd see her and she'd have her bow and arrow, right? And you'd see her in the sure stance that she would have with her eye on the mark. And whether it's a bird fluttering in the air or a mark standing, her eye was on it. She'd size it up. She'd hit it every time. And that's how a Christian is with heaven. It's not about the best life now. It's about, oh my goodness, I'm going to spend all of eternity with the creator of the universe, the one that created every star, every atom, every molecule, all the differences in all creation, who made Africa and Asia and America and South America and all the different beauties and the wonderful earth there is. And I'm going to get to spend my life with this, my eternity with this creator that is, is in himself love. And for the first time in my life, I'm going to be able to experience untainted love. That I'm going to fully be able to receive his love. And there's not going to be anything in me, no more scars from the world that are going to hold or hinder me back from receiving and experiencing and seeing all of his love for me. And because heaven is so perfect in his love, I'm going to be able to perfectly express my love to the saints. I'm not going to be hindered in the way I express my love. And because of that love of heaven, we're going to be able to receive love from one another freely without judgment or condemning, without misunderstanding actions or thoughts. It's going to be the place of perfect and absolute wholeness and love of glory beyond glory, pure and absolute ecstasy in his presence. That's what our hope is. Getting to that mark that I'm going to be with him in the oceans of his love. My face is set like flint, like Cat had her eye on the mark. My mark, my eye is on the mark of heaven. We stretch out after the things in front of us. We stretch out for higher standards of holiness. You know, there will be times years ago when I was first born again, I had to throw away all my CDs and all the DVDs and get rid of cable. And so we have, I think we have cable now. I'm not quite sure what we have. But we watch like some TLC and we watch different shows. And they're all fine. But every once in a while, they'll have a commercial that doesn't sit right with my belly. And after I see it once or twice, the Lord starts speaking to me. Do you want this image in you? Do you want these words in you? You see, it doesn't 
matter where I got to yesterday by not watching certain things. He's calling us to higher standards of holiness. What was okay for me yesterday may not be okay today. Higher standards of holiness. He requires more of us the longer we've been with him. Our character and nature is molded into his, and he calls us higher. Hebrews 6.1 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. He's saying, come up higher, church. Come up higher. There's so much more. We don't have to live a life constantly repenting, constantly saying, I wish I could have, would have, constantly saying, oops, I did it again. Come on. You know, when I got born again, y'all, I got born again. I got delivered from all those serious drugs. I got delivered from all sorts of stuff. But guess what? I still smoke cigarettes. So for two years, I promise you, I probably quit 600 times. And I am not joking. But then what I'd have to do is crawl back to Daddy God, tail between my legs, I did it again. I'd go 30 minutes, I'd go two days, I'd go 24 hours, and then something would happen, I'd go back. It was a yoke around my neck, and I'd have to repent and repent and repent, and I loved him, and I was growing in him. I was in his word every day. I was in Bible study, every Bible study I could. I went to church services three times a week. I loved the Lord, but I still smoked. I tried to quit and I couldn't. I was doing it all in my own strength. It was dead works. And at some point, I stopped worrying about whether I smoked or not. And I got my eyes fixed on Jesus. I got my eyes fixed on my heavenly home. I began to fall in love with him in ways I never knew possible. And I forgot about that old problem. I forgot that it was a problem. And I can remember sitting in a church one day. And I was, I was visiting family, and it was a little old Baptist church, and some pastor was dressed in a fire outfit. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> he was not talking about deliverance or being set free. But my eyes were fixed on Christ. I had stopped worrying about the things of this world and started falling in love with my heavenly home. And all of a sudden, his sweet spirit came. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it goes, but that's how the Holy Spirit works. And he blowed in, blew in, blew in. He blew in. And I thought, oh my word, I am never smoking again. Oh my word, I am never smoking again. I could have yelped out, that would have been the fire marshal. Woo! Never smoking again. And it's been all uphill ever since. Because at that time, I learned, I don't, we don't need to constantly have to come and lay a foundation of repentance for dead works. Church, you have the victory. You have the victory. You have the victory. He that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. We fix our eyes on our heavenly home. We worry about Christ and him crucified, the power of his resurrection. And all of a sudden, in a moment of time, that thing doesn't have a hold of you. Why? Because incredible hawk came out of you. Come on. You all of a sudden realize the authority that you have in Christ. 
The authority that we have in as believers and we stop walking around feeble and bound by stupid addictions and attitudes and habits and we realize we are free. I have thrown off the old life. I have let go of the baggage. I'm not looking back. I'm forgetting that which lies behind and I'm pressing on toward the upper calling of Christ Jesus. This world no longer has a hold of me. I'm attaining the prize. Revelations 3.21 says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Can y'all imagine that day? When Jesus says, Come, my beloved. Come and sit with me. Revelations 3.16 so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. Oh, I'll spit you out. Listen. Oh, It is so much better off for those that, that grow up in church, that are in church, and that are indifferent to just turn around and walk out. We would tell people all the time in New Orleans, you want to go do the bars? You want to toke the thing? Go, have fun. Go. Because it's better you be hot or cold versus in the church, lukewarm, indifferent to the things of God and the things of the world. If you want to go play, go play. Because he's going to chase you down. He's going to chase you down like that mom and daddy waiting up because you snuck out or out past curfew. He's going to chase you down and get you. He wishes you were either hot or cold. But when we're lukewarm, I want to be hot. I want to be on fire. I don't want to be indifferent. I don't want to be indifferent to a testimony. I don't want to be indifferent to the things that are going on in this world. I don't want to be indifferent to altar time. Do you know that this, what happens up here after the preaching, after the worship, is the most important part of the service? Because in the worship and in preaching, we're engaging. We're inviting heaven to come. The Spirit of God is flowing around here. Jesus is walking these aisles. The Word is piercing hearts. It's coming. It's doing things. It's bringing up emotions and memories and affections and the happenings of our inner being. And that altar right there is the final surgery of the day. The place where something comes and breaks. The place where clarity comes. The place where freedom happens. I don't want to be indifferent to the place of miracles. I don't want to say, oh, that's for them. I don't want to say, I don't have time for that today. I want to be smack dab in the middle of it and say, come, Lord. Let heaven invade this place. Change a life. Change my life. Touch me. I don't want to be the same. I don't want to leave the same. Well, I don't like that preacher lady. Good. You don't have to like me. You can meet Jesus right there. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you might obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. So I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself 
should be disqualified. We all know what we're supposed to do. We all know we're supposed to love our spouses. We all know we're supposed to honor others above ourselves. But if it was as easy as knowing it, we'd all do it. I once a long time ago heard a message that said that we don't in America need another sermon. We don't need another study book. We just need to act on what we've already learned. <laughs> we just need to put into action that which we've already learned. We practice, we live in such a way that after we preach to others, we don't disqualify ourselves. We aim to win. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day is drawing near. It's, it's here. You know, how many of you know you grow up and you hear the stories in church and you think, oh my God, Jesus is going to come. The skies are going to split open. The blood moon's going to come. And you, you don't sleep at night as a little kid because you're freaked out over it. That was me as a little kid. And then you get born again. I can remember one time I was blow drying my hair, turned the blow dryer off, went to go curl my hair, and heard this big outside. I didn't know the jets were in town. But I ran outside. I thought the rapture was coming, and I was missing it. I was, I'm serious. That was my new baby Christian. I mean, how adorable is that? But somewhere along the way, like, I stopped thinking about it quite as much. And with all the happenings going on in the world, the other day for the first time, my dad and I were talking about it. They're in town visiting, and I thought, Dad, he could come in my lifetime. He could come in my, he could come in my, Dad, that would be the coolest thing if we're the generation. If we're the, the signs are here. The signs are all around, Dad. We could be the generation that the clouds spread open, and Jesus comes riding on a white horse calling the army of the saints. We could be that generation. All the more, church, we got to forget. We got to forget what's behind us. We got to let it go. We got to link arm in arm and hand in hand. We got to set our face on Christ in heaven. And we got to press on. We got to press on. We got we to dig down deep, just like I do on sand run with that stroller, and you get in your position, and I'm going up this 600 feet, whether it likes it or not. I'm going with Jesus no matter what comes, no matter what happens. When my last day is breathed, I want rejoicing. I want rejoicing on heaven, but I want rejoicing in the earth because I want the saints to come around. I want the saints to say she did it, gave her all. She lived for Jesus. It wasn't selfish gain, but she pressed on. She gave the gospel to everybody that she met. She didn't live a selfish life. She didn't live a life worried about other people. But she lived it for the gospel. I think about my death because my death is the only thing that matters. How I end on that day. I'm going to forget what lies behind. I'm going to forget the issues. I'm going to forgive every single one of you every day. Because I've got my eyes set on the prize of the upper calling of Christ Jesus. On the one who for the joy set before him endured the cross. 
There's no pain. There's no gain in this life that's greater than the gain of Jesus Christ. We got to forget and we got to press on toward the upward calling of Christ Jesus. So I want to ask for you to stand with me this morning. Pastor Grace, y'all can come. I hope you've been stirred, poked, prodded, and stirred for more of Christ. Because there is a day coming, whether in this life or the next, where the skies will part. And here he comes riding on a white horse. And it won't be about what so-and-so did or didn't do. It'll be how is it with your soul. So with every eye bowed, every head bowed and every eye closed, I would ask the Holy Spirit to come and his gentleness and his gentle and his beautiful self and ask you to search your heart. How is it with your soul today? Have you met this Jesus? Have you met this lover of your soul that brings life and hope and healing in every area of our life? Are you walking with him and talking with him? If this morning you can't say that you are, if you can't say that you've ever known him or that you know him today, I would just ask for you to raise your hand and say, I want to know this Jesus. I want to know this Jesus. I want to know this Jesus. And for the church of God, for the saints in Christ Jesus. Have you left it all behind? Have you left your reputation, your accomplishments, your hurts behind to press on for all that Christ has for you? You and I are here for such a time as this in the kingdom of God. And if you would say this morning that there's things that I need to leave behind, there's things I need to let go, I want to ask that you would raise your hand right now every eyes closed every heads bowed there's things you need to let go things you need to leave behind amen thank you for joining the celebration podcast for more information visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458 You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.